You're listening to Queer Travel Chat by Too Bad Tourists. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Queer Travel Chat. My name is Austin, half of the blogger duo Too Bad Tourists, and joined with me every week here to my side is David. Hello, I'm David. Um, I'm going to turn off this air conditioning real quick because I <laughs> forgot about it. Okay. And I'm going to edit this part out. <laughs> Hello, I'm David. So we are live from Barcelona. Okay, uh, not really. That was the original plan. Uh, we well, what happens? Well, we um, we wanted to record our live podcast there because we were, you know, live and on the scene. But um, we just got too carried away with the sightseeing. Uh, we had a really late night at the Believe Club, which had a drag show and a little too hungover the day after that. Right. And just to remind people who maybe have been listening, this past week was our hosted trip to Barcelona where we invited... Oh, yeah. uh, we had seven guests, Obviously. so so we were there along with seven guests. So that's the live show that well, we didn't do and we meant to. So the day we decided to do it, we were just, there was too much going on. We were having a good time, so we were supposed to do it yesterday. And then when we met up to do it, we just started bickering <laughs> as if we were still together like an old married couple. Yeah, because you came over and didn't have any of the work done. You were in a mood. Okay, I wasn't in a mood. And I didn't have any work done because we It was also 7 p.m. on a Friday night. Were we bickering like this? No. Okay, edit this out. (laughs) Um, So anyway, we are finally doing our Barcelona episode uh, just a few days late. And uh, today we're going to give you the highlights of our trip. And we're going to do something a little bit different today because we recorded some audios of all the things that we were doing and talking to our guides and talking to our guests. So we're going to play them and mix um, and we'll comment on on them so you can kind of get a little bit more of the experience of what it was like to be there with us in Barcelona. And then we'll give some recommendations of things uh, that we really enjoyed um, in Barcelona and in Sitges, the beach town just south of the city. So you can um, plan your own trip to Barcelona and Sitges. Definitely. And before we get into it, just remember that if you like the show, please subscribe to it on Colin and give the episode a like with the heart icon once it's published. And as always, you can follow us on social media. We're always at Two Bad Tourists. And uh, lastly, feel free to leave a comment um, after the show about what you liked or what you heard, what you'd like to hear more of. And in fact, you can also uh, leave a comment uh, if you're ever listening live as well. Okay, so let's start with um, what we did, our overall itinerary, how we spent our time. So we had uh, about four days in Barcelona and then two days in Sitges. So day one, we really just checked in. Um, We had a group uh, WhatsApp chat with all our other guests. And uh, we were staying at Axel Hotel in Barcelona, which uh, we really enjoy. Which is the gay hotel. Started in Barcelona and now it's in probably eight or nine different cities in different parts of the world. Yeah, they uh, advertise themselves as hetero-friendly. So, you know, we, of course, feel very comfortable there. And so we just started out with our first event having a cocktail at their rooftop because it's a really good place. Recommendation number one is to have a a cocktail at the rooftop of Axel Hotel in Barcelona. Yeah, not only is it a nice bar itself, um, it just has really nice views of the city. And yeah, just to give you an overview of who was actually on the trip, um, we originally had nine guests uh, booked, a couple of them had to cancel last minute. So we ended up with six guys, and they ranged in age anywhere from 35 to 66. Uh, six of them happened to be Americans, although a couple of those Americans were living abroad, one in Puerto Vallarta, and which is Mexico, and one in Milan in Italy. And then we had one um, guy from Canada, Mm-hmm. Originally born in, in mm-hmm. Italy. 
So that was kind of the the layout of the land. Um, And the American guys were New York City, Portland, San Diego, and Palm Springs. So it was a nice mix, mostly North American folks, but um, we had a really, really great time. You totally jumped over the itinerary that I was going to go through. Well, back up. (laughs) I was talking because you were looking at the itinerary and and I didn't see that you had anything to say. Oh, of course. I was just waiting for you to, you know. Shut my trap. Exactly. <laughs> Are we going to start bickering again like yesterday? I told you to drink glass, a glass of wine like me. Um, so anyway, the next day we did the Sagrada Familia tour. Well, city center tour. And then we visited the, the Sagrada Familia, which is the most famous uh, and most visited, we learned, um, site in Spain. Yep. I didn't know that. The UNESCO that. World Heritage Site. And I would say it is, I mean, by far in Barcelona, not Spain. It's the most well-known, recognized monuments. So it's designed by uh, Gaudi, a famous Spanish architect. Right. And um, I have always said, um, you know, as an unpopular opinion that I've never <laughs> really enjoyed the exterior of it. I think it's kind of, how can I say it politely? Not well, the most pretty. It's very over the top. Cathedral, church, basilica, whatever it is yeah. uh, that I've seen. Yeah. But that's, I don't, that's certainly your opinion because a lot of people yes, think they, otherwise. they love it. However, however, it is beautiful on the inside. And we got to go inside that day as well. And I had been inside before, so I knew that. And it's it's beautiful um, on the inside. The inside is actually cool. I know we're supposed to talk the highlights here. But the inside, it feels like you're in a stone forest. Like literally the columns feel like trees and the ceiling. And it was designed like, that way. It was designed that way. So I, I was. it was the first time I'd ever been inside and I was... I was blown away. It was really, really cool. And apart from that, we just kind of got the highlights of the Gothic quarter and the city center and the uh, the main cathedral, which is a different uh, church right. there. I'm um, okay. And the day following, we had another tour, and that was in Park Guell. And Park Guell was built just a little bit outside the city center, also by Gaudi. It was designed to be basically like a giant residential park for rich people. Um, which is why they built the park around it, but then they never really sold any homes. So now it's just a park, but it's actually really, really cool. Yeah, um, they didn't sell the incredible. homes we learned because yeah, it's it was so too far, far away. Yeah, yeah. And it was a bit far, but we also took the public bus to get there, which I thought was kind of fun as part of the tour yeah. uh, with our tour guide was getting on the public transit because you're kind of you know doing the touristic tour thing, but also moving around like a local right. and the buses run really well there. Um, and that was um, the Saturday of Eurovision. So then we had uh, a private, not a private, but a VIP seating area. Yeah, up in the, the rooftop bar at the Axel Hotel. Um, they had opened to the public and invited all the locals to come and watch Eurovision. But we had a special reserve VIP area, which was awesome. We ordered a bottle of kava and the, the guests were really happy about yeah, that. Yeah, and for a lot of them, it was the first time they ever watched it. So uh, it was fun to to see that. And, and Spain uh, got third in Eurovision, which was amazing. I know that not everyone could appreciate that because they didn't know much about Eurovision in Spain. But Spain hadn't gotten that high in Eurovision since the mid-90s. Right. And if you're listening and you don't know what Eurovision is, um, you probably do because you're either European or you're gay and from anywhere. But if you haven't heard of it, it's, for the U.S., it's kind of like American Idol. It's basically like a singing show competition, but one country from all the European countries submit a contestant and one wins. And, and I just I think it's so cool that on our Barcelona trip, when we're showing yeah. people around, that, that that moment happened. Um, right, right. And then uh, Ukraine ended up winning, um, especially because of the war. It was sure. a lot of people uh, showing their support to Ukraine, which I think was kind of 
some people really appreciate. Some people really wanted uh, to see the right. winner go to someone else, but right. I, I thought it was cool. Uh, the next day, we split up into two groups, and we did half of us went to a tapas tour um, with a local guide there, and the other half went to flamenco. Right. That was you. That was me. How was the flamenco show? I got sick and had diarrhea, so I didn't go. So I had to leave. <laughs> Are we gonna edit that out? I'm just gonna graphic. let you guys know. I had to drop. <laughs> I literally dropped the guests off, and and then I had to go. But I was much better um, the following day. Thank God. Thank, yeah. Thank you. Well, you started off the trip not feeling great, so right. and then we had sushi <laughs> the day before flamenco. Yeah, that wasn't a good combination. Sensitive stomach and I loved the sushi. Know, I was fine, sushi, but yeah. you already didn't start the trip out. Yeah. Fantastic. But you know, that happens when you travel as well. Sure. Um, and then that night we went to um, Believe Club and watched the Drag Queen show and we had never been there before. Have you been there? I'd never been there, but you said it was a Sunday night and it was surprisingly busy. It was surprisingly empty when we entered and because we had never, I, me, me and the guests we went with, we had never been there before, so we didn't know what to expect. Right. So... I was like, well, you know, I know that um, Eloy, who we worked with before, you know, is going to recommend good things. And he works with um, Believe. Believe. And so I was, you know, assuming it was going to be you good. And it was uh, better than I expected. Much better. So it, just start, it's, it started late. So by like late. one o'clock yeah. or something, it was packed. Right? It was On so packed. And not just that the people showed up, but the, the performances the were really good. Were it was like a mix of drag, burlesque, strip. It was fun. And they had... Um, drag queens and a male dancer as well so it was just kind of a really good well-rounded show that's and our so guests cool. really liked I'm, it i'm sorry to have missed it it's on our instagram if you want to watch it <laughs> <laughs> and then the next day we went to see chess yeah see chess oh my god our favorite beach town ever which is a 40 minute train ride from barcelona or about a half hour car drive and we had a a little private shuttle transfer from the actual hotel to our hotel there the mim and see chess which was right off the beach like the location couldn't have been better yeah, it was definitely quieter than I anticipated because we usually go in the height of summer and it's always really busy and there's a lot happening. So like June, July and August. So we exactly. were just, just a little bit. So uh, going in May season, yeah, was not surprisingly empty, but we hadn't experienced that, but it was still fun to go out in the city. Yeah. And even during the weeknights, uh, I think we were there on a Monday and Tuesday night. I mean, even on the, the gay street where. They have all the main gay bars. Um, there were still actually quite a few people sitting out and having drinks. So it wasn't empty. It just wasn't like streets packed like we're used to uh, in, in the normal peak summer months. So if you don't like crowds, it's actually the best time to go. Like I would say May or Yeah, September. you definitely have room on the beaches yeah, sure. all day long yeah. at that point. We also were there Monday, Tuesday. Yeah, so it was. Yeah, um, so, it, so it was a tad but quieter. Anyway, so after we got our, uh, we checked in and after spending some time on the beach, we had our CHS tour, which we had never done before either. No, and later we're going to have some clips from that, right? Exactly. So Normally, when detail. we go to CHS, we just go to the beach, beach and, and then go out beach and then and go drink. to the beach <laughs> and then go out. Dance and repeat. Yes. So we've never done anything yeah. cultural. Well, and it was certainly, CHS was certainly still a bit uh, more relaxed and laid back than the four days in Barcelona. I think in Barcelona, we really showed the guests like a lot of sightseeing, a lot of touring, a lot of different parts of the city. And then in CHS, we still did a little bit of that, but it was really just almost all morning and afternoon was like, guys, you know, go to the beach, go to the pool, do whatever you want and relax. And we just had some activities in the evening. Yeah. And I think the feedback we got was that we could even have yeah, a little bit yeah. less activities was, to just because people just want to relax on the beach right. and go out and relax on right, the right. beach and, and, and go out. And, and we had so. like free access to the spa at, at our hotel, like. 
which Twice, was nice. So, yeah. that, so they were all using that. So that was really. But that was the only thing we did that day. And our last thing was our next day in CHS um, when we went for what we were told and what we understood and what we thought we booked was a wine tasting. So we all were imagining sitting down and having, you know, right. wine explained to us and then tried it. And then I was going to pretend like I understood what I was. So what you're saying is there was a the lot less profile. tasting of wines than we were led it to believe. It was more like a winery tour right. with a sampling. A sample. A sample. At the end, not even sampling. Yeah. Sampling makes it sound like, well, and what I what I remembered from the tour, we'll, we'll get to this, like my biggest takeaway is for 10 euros more, we could have sampled all the wines. Um, but we'll get into that later because it was actually surprisingly interesting. Exactly. Because I kind of, when I realized that this was more of a tour, I was disappointed. And yeah. then when I got over that, I was like, oh, well, this is actually interesting. And then once they gave me that wine at the end, I was like, this is amazing. So that was our overview of our of our six, seven day trip to Barcelona and Sitges. So we recorded some of the highlights. Um, and so we're going to play some of them. And so you can kind of get the experience of what it was like to be there. Yeah. And before we get into that, I actually just want to, to mention, like, I was very surprised how well the group vibed, how well the chemistry of the group was. Like I've been on group tours before. Uh, we've hosted our own group trip since 2018. And and most of the time you have kind of a core group that does activities together, but you always have people that go off and do their own thing or don't eat dinner with the group and things like that. Um, and I was so surprised because every night everyone was, you know, asking about what the dinner plans were and everyone went out together for the most part. Um, so I, I was really impressed by the group. And then it was also interesting because all seven guests, five of them came on their own. So there were five solo travelers and then the two that came together were just friends. So it's not like there were any couples there. So it was kind of a, a different dynamic, all sort of, you know, people just there kind of mm -hmm. on their own. So yeah, that, that was we, interesting. We didn't know what to expect because we had never done a, a land tour before. We've right, done the right. sailing trips. And yeah. so I think that can be, that can change the dynamic as well. But I thought maybe we would make a reservation because we always had a dinner plan in case somebody wanted to. And I thought maybe it would be just you and me, maybe you and me and like two other guests, right. for example. But every or night. Just one. It was everybody. Every night, everybody. all nine of us yeah. were making the reservations and... Right. going to those restaurants. So that was great. Everyone had a good time. And then we had time apart and separated as well. Cool. Well, let's get into the to the recordings and, and learn a little bit about like firsthand because I think that's a cool approach. Okay. So yeah, episode. we'll start off, you know, to give you also uh, an idea of what the, the cuisine, what the gastronomy like is like uh, in Spain and in Catalonia. So um, we started out with, um, we'll start off with uh, the food lover tour that we went on. We had a great guide, uh, Ghislaine. She was fantastic. She was very sweet and knowledgeable. And um, she told us about a lot of the food. So uh, we'll start with her. I just FYI got her permission and our guide's permission and our guest permission to record. Um, so anyway, she started off with um, explaining pan con tomate for Which is us. like my favorite food. Very simple, but you'll learn about it. Which means bread with tomato. So um, it's a really common thing to hear. So let's hear her explanation first. Oops, I'm doing the wrong thing. And this is the famous pan con tomate, a bread with, uh, with tomatoes. So what they do is, um, actually this history is old, it's from the war time that they used to bake bread. And then uh, when they become dry, so to make it easier to eat, so they would uh, take a tomato and just... Uh, so when she says voila, she's rubbing the like cut tomato, she's rubbing that okay. over the bread. 
And so what I've learned is, because we eat pan con tomate a lot here in Madrid. It's I common it all over Spain. Like literally for breakfast every morning. Yeah, exactly. And um, what I learned, though, is that we're in Madrid and Catalonia, the region where Barcelona is, does it a little bit differently. Mm. So they, you know, uh, on their toasted bread, they cut a piece of garlic and they'll just, you know, rub the garlic on it. Then um, cut, you know, tomato open and then rub the tomato on it. And then, you know, olive oil right. and salt. And so in Madrid, ours is different. Yeah, it's a little bit more of the just the tomato sauce. And it's not so much. It's, they don't, um, people don't use garlic. It's rayado. Yeah, it's like grated. Grated, like grated yeah. Tomato. And so you kind of like take a spoonful yeah, and put it on your. Right, almost like a sauce, like a thick sauce. And we usually eat it with cured ham. And I don't think that they did it in Catalonia. Because it's served all day long there, right? And also, and dinner exactly. And here it's, and more here it's much food. more of a breakfast yeah. thing. So it's interesting to see those kind of regional differences, even of the same dish. Yeah. But of course, there's some regional differences, many regional differences of, right. of different dishes. So what was next on the food tour menu? Next was cazón de adobo and sobrasada. So cazón, well, I'll let her explain and then I'll make my little comment about it. This is a fish that it's, uh, it's a long process of marination, like uh, they marinated that for one month or something like this, and then it's fried. Then you have there the sobrasada, that it's, it, it's a, you can call it kind of chorizo, but it's made it uh, with the blood, the, the pig's blood, and rice. Okay, so she called it like a fish, the cathone. And it uh, could be called like a dogfish, which is really like a small shark or school shark. Hmm. And uh, she said that it's marinated. So it's like this Moorish marinade because the Moors, uh, you know, invaded Spain and they left a lot of their impact on the, the language and the, the gastronomy. So it's marinated in this uh, Moorish uh, marinade that has like oregano, vinegar and lemon. And then it's fried and it's so good. Um, and then she talks about the sobrasada, which is uh, morcilla, similar to morcilla which is a blood sausage, but it's spicy in Austin. It was surprisingly spicy. And I was like, we are not eating the spicy sausage in Spain because usually the food yeah. is not so spicy. It's usually not so spicy. You would like think, it. I don't think I've ever tried this dish before. Yeah, I've I was really surprised um, by the spiciness. It was so good. Um, so that's another one to, to add to your list to try. Cool. And later on the tour, um, she also gave you a little bit of history of the neighborhood we were staying in, right? In, in Axel Hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, but the, specifically the, the, the streets yeah the Champlain neighborhood so I think you have a recording of that right well she talks about the, sh- the, the shape of the streets the intersections right. yeah so let's listen to that as you can see in the Champlain there's no corners I know I love you know that. that I love that it's diagonal it's yeah it's like an octagon every corner looks the same every does yeah it's easy to get lost so as compared to Milan Milan has no not no but not this much green yeah. This is very green. Yes, yeah. very I love green. it. I love it. It's very green. Very green. So actually this construction it's from the no. 1836. Okay. And uh, back then uh, people was moving with horses, horses. But the, the designer had this uh, futurist idea that in the future uh, we'll have the tra- train go all around. So this is why there's no corners. So just to set or I guess set, set the, the scene set the scene because it's a little bit hard to visualize on a audio podcast. Normally, if you were to take like an aerial view of any city or any intersection, like you see two roads that intersect, right? And like 
perpen- or, yeah, perpendicular. And what they did in this neighborhood in Eschampo, which is the neighborhood where Axel Hotel Barcelona is, is just imagine that normally where those two streets intersect, you would have four corners. And instead of having four corners, they've chopped off the corners on all four. On all four. And if you so were you to eight corners, so there's really. kind of like eight corners, but what it does is it makes the intersection so much more open and, and it feels, it doesn't feel as closed, uh, closed off. And it almost is like, uh, I don't know if you call it a square shape, really, if you were to draw the lines together or. It would, yeah, it would be. It's almost, it's hard to visualize, but it's so like a square. We generally don't like that because <laughs> when you're walking, it adds more space. If you're just trying to walk straight, you kind of have to angle in. You have to zigzag then, yeah, a lot. Exactly. You can't actually walk in a straight line because the corners are chopped But off. it is interesting to hear, like the design was, I think uh, Jorge, our other guy told us, it's also so cars can see around the corner of pedestrians. And she right, mentioned right. how it was also the idea that there was, should have, they imagined a tram going everywhere. Right. And, so. and even if the, the architect's design of that uh, was wrong and that the future of, you know, cities are certainly not like that now, it's cool because Barcelona is and it's still like that. And now it's like ancient history. And, and it's, it's one of the few cities I've ever seen that, that has that. It's style. very characteristic now Definitely. of Barcelona, yep. for sure. Um, and then the last thing that we're going to share from our food tour guide, um, she explained to us the history of tapas, which in the nine years we've lived here, I might have heard three different versions of this. There's a lot of like legends and then truths. And then we don't know, but this is what we think when we're talking about, you know, many things. Right. And I would assume everyone knows what tapas are, but if you don't, they're basically just uh, traditional small small plates served in Spain in dishes, you know, kind of as snacks. Usually for one to two people um, or, you know, if it's just like potato chips are always for the table, but really small, it did, varies region to region how they do it. So uh, she'll explain to us the origin of that. Because they put it on the top of the drink, no? Okay, tell me more, tell me more. Back then, the king was very concerned with the alcoholism of people. They're too much. And then... This is how you actually start themselves. And because they're, the heat in summer is so hot. Uh, so what the king did is that was mandatory if you order a glass of any alcohol, you should have a little bit of food. So uh, with the weather, there is a lot of flies and stuff. So what they used to do is to eat the food and then take the powder and, and cover the... Yes, yeah, so that's one story of, you know, protecting your drink from the flies. Um, also serving food because, you know, uh, worrying about alcoholism. I've heard it's also related to alcoholism and drinking a lot. <laughs> Another one I've heard is that in the 16th and 17th century, it was actually illegal to sell food at a bar um, because they thought, you know, if you could sell food at a bar, then you're going to just stay there, eat and drink, and you'll never go home to your family, or specifically with the men. So it was outlawed, but then um, eventually that went away and, you know, tapas came around. and So we'll we'll never really know, but it sounds like there's a couple of... A couple of um I'm sure someone really knows. I, I don't think we really <laughs> you know. You and I will never really know. <laughs> I'm sure someone yeah, really knows. That's not just on us. Uh 
<laughs> so anyway, okay. Um, so that was our uh, great tour with Ghislaine. Thank you, Ghislaine. Um, then we went to Seaches the, the next day after that tour, and we had another guide, and he was explaining to us about the LGBT monument that they have there, which is a pink triangle, which we had uh, never... Oh, I'm going ahead. Okay. That's well, okay. before you talk about the Seaches, uh, let's talk a little bit about Barcelona, because um, some of our, our guests actually gave a sort of a review after, I think after we left Barcelona, we were curious, like, what did they think about the city? What did they think about the the trip so far? So I think you have a recording this is, of that, right? Yeah, this is us walking home from the food tour a little bit tipsy after the drinks. We've okay, had. let's see what they had to say. Beautiful. Nice. People are nice. Uh, clean. <laughs> very gay, very clean. Very, very important. Very gay, so much. What was your What was your opinion of Jorge, our tour guide? Putting aside his beautiful uh, <laughs> appearance, how can passionate, detailed, informative, caring. Jorge was our guide who showed us uh, Sagrada Familia and Parkwell. Right, he was very charming. He was also very handsome, but also just a, a really great guide and just connected really, really well with the group. And in fact, I think some of the uh, our guests went back to Barcelona for a couple of days afterwards and met up with him and had uh, dinner or drinks. So that was cool to see that they, they had stayed in touch. Yeah. And so um, I think that they really enjoyed the city. Those who had never been the first time, I think their only complaint really was um, the Axel hotel updated rooms. They wanted more updated rooms. Yeah. Well, I think some, some of that, some of the rooms in the Axel are like interior and maybe, um, they have, uh, there's some nicer categories. They have a lot of nice rooms there as well, but but they have some more standard ones. So I think next year we'll just give the option to upgrade your room if you want a nicer one. And some people don't really care about that, right? Exactly. You and I had a sort of standard classroom and I didn't really I like it, but, way. you know, everyone has their own tastes and, and you know, expectations. And yeah, so yeah, definitely. Not a problem. I appreciate everybody's honesty. Definitely. Um, and more importantly, they had a good time overall. So um, going back to Seaches then. So then we were in Seaches. We saw this uh, we, we were taking our tour and we our guy was showing us this lgbt monument which is this triangle this pink triangle there and that was probably our eighth time in Seaches, would you say yeah and i have never seen that monument and it's not and it's pretty close to the center near it's the pretty much a giant pink triangle yeah, like, like you so. can't really miss it except that i've missed it the past and i jogged right by it that same day uh and yeah. i didn't catch it so um uh, he's gonna tell us about right. it Nice to see because it's the first um, LGBT monument in Spain. Yes, uh, here in Sitges, not, not by coincidence, of course. Because, um, especially since the, the end of the dictatorship by Franco, Sitges starting standing out as a, as a gay destination and a place for, well, more freedom. Commentary. <laughs> oh, yeah. so, so, and, so it was in the 90s, I think he said that they had um, installed it. No, it's just, it's really cool to like the entire country of Spain, which is a population of 50 million, roughly 50 million. The first gay monument, monument you have dedicated to the community is in this tiny town of Sitges, which by the way, only has a population of 30,000 people. True. It's a really, really small town. Yeah. And this monument also is to commemorate, um, is that the right word? In, in memory of, um, there was uh, a gay bashing in yeah. 1996 of a server there. And it was in Sitges. It was in CHS, I believe. Um, and so that, you know, a lot of people were protesting right. for quality and protection for the queer community. Right. So he also told us about the CHS population, which you mentioned, um, some of the events that they have going on and the um, 
a well-known last name around the world that is from Sitges. Uh, it's actually not a very big town. It's about 30,000 people, more or less. This is the um, stable population of Sitges. But on the other hand, we'll see that um, it's it's a very famous place in Spain and also all over the world because of some international events which take place here or for its uh, artistic life, mm. cultural life and all this. So it's... So, yeah, also, there's <laughs> lots of events. No? It, it has its own gay pride, for example, uh, a very important carnival parade, an international f- cinema festival also. So, yeah, apparently it can be like, well, uh, this relatively small town has lots of things going on, right? Well, um, one of the things that makes it just quite famous and reputable is that uh, during the 1700s, 1800s, there were many people from towns like this, beach towns, which went through the Americas, especially Cuba, Puerto Rico. They were the last Spanish colonies in, in the Americas, and some of them made a lot of money, made huge fortune. So that when they came back, they built well, their mansions, their beautiful palaces in places like Sitges. And we're going to see some of these palaces later. And one of these businessmen who went, I mean, was from Sitges and went to Cuba and made a lot of money, um, is still very famous, at least his, his surname, yeah. Bacardi, yeah. Facundo Bacardi was his full name. And yeah, he was from Sitges. <laughs> Maybe the most famous song from so as you just heard the guide say, there is a population of only 30,000 in CGS. And so for such a small town, it's cool that it has its own gay pride. And I feel like 30,000 people show up for the pride, like double the population, right? Yeah, absolutely. And we went three years ago, yeah. the summer before the pandemic with yeah. friends, and it was a fantastic time. That was, I think, my first pride, my, or my second. You've been a few times, I think. I think that was also my second time. You, oh yeah, I think you. Were there, there was one time when we were still together. You went to see Chess Pride, and then texted me. You're like, "I'm going to stay a couple more days." <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. like, "I'm not coming." And home. I did. I, uh, which one of our guests did the same thing when we were in see Chess at the end of the trip? He's like, "Okay, guys, see you later. Yeah, I'm going to stay here I'm two more stay days." Here any, any so see Chess has some charm about it, right? Um, but I had no idea about Bacardi being from see Chess, and that monument is very much a clear Bacardi symbol. So there used to actually be a museum or I guess like a, a Bacardi experience um, where you could sample different Bacardi uh, rums and stuff like that. Uh, but it recently closed due to the pandemic. And I would uh, add that I did know that because when I was in Puerto Rico in this past mm. October, I went to the original Bacardi distillery, mm. which is just outside of San Juan. Is he from Sitges or from around? Like, He's from Sitges. Of- He's okay. from Sitges and then moved to Puerto Rico and opened the distillery. Well, Sitges had a lot of rich families. Who knew? Yes. Well, as we mentioned before, we also went to um, this wine tour, not a wine tasting, at the, and I'll try to say it, Centre Interpretación Malvasia de Sitges. Yes, very well. Basically, well the uh, Malvasia Interpretation Center of Sitges. Right. Well, and the moral of the story is, we were very surprised by it. It's not what we expected, but we're going to repeat it next year because the, the guests really did like it. And I think we did too. Exactly. We just, just need to get uh, the 10 euro yeah, and, whole wine tasting. Yes, package. exactly. So uh, the wine that we did try, our guide there will explain uh, about it. So we make the liquor, uh, which is just cutting the fermentation, um, actual alcohol. And then it's uh, resting in a barrel, in a chestnut barrel, for about five to six years. Wow. So it takes a while to make. 
wow. Uh, the one year we're tasting today is 12 years old. Wow. So expect wow. it to be a little bit strong. Uh, right then on. we have Malasia um, Seca, which is a have you ever tasted uh, Jerez wine or Palo Portado? Um, no? Okay, so this one's pretty special. Uh, we only make 400 bottles every two years. Wow. Yes, it's a coupage from uh, 1980s. Mm -hmm. So it's 1980s, uh, 2006, 2010, uh, 2020, uh, so on and so forth. One of the cool things about that winery is literally in the middle of Sitges, you have a vineyard. Mm. And you can't tell from the outside that there's a vineyard in there. And the guide even said that even local people in Sitges don't even know that it's there. So it's tiny and it's sort of all between in between the buildings. Um, so I thought that was really and maybe just a tad difficult to find. Um, but the, the grape and the type of wine that we had is Malvasia and in true too bad tourist style. We had no idea. We didn't know anything about it. And I remember one of our guests was like, so, you know, is it going to be Malvasia? Or who's bringing up Malvasia? I was like, I don't know. What are you saying? Right, right. What is that word? What, what is that? that? He had apparently I didn't do any research. done research on Wikipedia before <laughs> just, the tour. Yeah, we just booked this. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're just in for the adventure. Well, um, next year we will be experts and know how to get there. Exactly. Too. And we'll be buying that wine because it was really good. Yeah, it was really Okay, so um, that's it for our highlights, and um, we're going to wrap it up with some some recommendations of some of the sites and our opinions, and and some food places that you should check out for restaurants. So yeah, and I would I would first say both Barcelona and Sitges, we do have um, gay travel guides on our blog, and so with these recommendations, we'll actually make sure to uh, update our guides uh, to both cities because we about some really cool new places well and we have to update the guides anyway because especially after the pandemic yeah, a lot of places lot closed and there's a, yeah, a lot of changes so we have to revamp them anyway so this was the perfect opportunity to do that so one of the first restaurants we went to was flamont um it was in example right yeah it was area, really really near it was around like the corner. a three-minute walk from axel hotel and um it's it's it, it feels a little bit like uh it's more of like a fine dining experience but wasn't so expensive they had like a 20 euro set menu um the server was really nice the food was great we mm -hmm. had like a three-course uh, meal i think one of the things that stood out there was the dessert which was the tim baun tim baun I, i'm gonna butcher that uh b-a-o-n tim baun uh so i had never heard of this but um i recognized that it's made with crema catalana which is like a creme brulee and right. which is very typical of catalonia but there then it is uh has like a chocolate sauce the crema catalana and then it's put on um ice cream that is turon flavored and which turon is, like, is uh nougat nugget nougat. yeah like, very typical thing to like eat toffee. here at christmas yeah but, so um, we had the crema catalana, we had this timbon, and it was really good. I think actually the timbon is the one that everybody enjoyed the most. And then as far as non-desserts, the croquetas were, oh my God, they were to die for. I think we ordered... Those were not even part of our set menu. I just saw them and I was like, those look good. Yeah. Because croquetas can be hit or miss yeah. for sure. But when you know, you can see when they're good. I think they were truffle, yeah. right? They they, were, we had two. Oh we had truffle they were, and they were another. Delicious. Well, one of the other restaurants that's, again, right near, near Axel Hotel is called La Flauta. And we actually didn't visit that restaurant on this trip. We'd actually been there last October. Because they don't take reservations. Because they don't take reservations and we were a large group. But, um, you know, as long as you don't have a large group, you can just, you can walk in for lunch or dinner. And, oh my God, it's delicious. The best huevos rotos I've ever had in Spain. Oh, yeah. Huevos rotos are essentially, it means broken eggs in Spanish, but it's basically just uh, fried potatoes. 
uh, a fried egg and and ham, Spanish mm-hmm. ham, and it's just the best I've ever had. Really good for a hangover, all yeah. the grease and, and deliciousness. We also went to La Terraza de Ana by Viramona, so it was at the top of a roommate hotel. Yep. Um, that was one that we just kind of went on the fly. We'd never been there before, but it had good reviews. It was rooftops. Um, they were known for their tapas. So yeah. we wanted to check it out. All the guests really enjoyed the tapas. Right. Um, so yeah, that was a, a good one. So I recommend rooftop uh, place. That's a good spot. Yeah. So that wraps up the, the food recommendations, but there are a couple other um, things in Barcelona for, that we experienced. Yeah. We mentioned uh, Believe Club already, and that is definitely worth the drag show. I've already said at the top of the episode, fantastic, uh, worth worth seeing yeah worth seeing up late for and one of the other highlights of our trip was our tour guide jorge um who showed us the sagrada familia tour the gaudi houses and then also the park well he was fantastic very knowledgeable and uh passionate about it so um you should definitely check out his tours you can go to jctoursbarcelona.com you can find him on instagram i think jc Barcelona, something like that, tours. or JCBCN. Yeah, yeah. Well, you'll find his. Yeah, he was, on the he was an awesome gay tour guide. I think he is single now, but by the time you listen to it, he probably won't be. <laughs> yeah, for sure <laughs> not. Um, and we already talked about the Sagrada Familia. Of course, it's worth seeing. It's fantastic. But my recommendation for that is to get the better, fuller experience. Um, pay to go inside. Yeah. It, it's definitely worth it. Do you remember the price? I want to say it's around 20 or 30 euros um, to get in. So it's expensive, but it's, I mean, it's one of a kind. It's a one of a kind experience. You'll only do it. You'll do it once in your life and it'll be worth it. If you like the, well, maybe if you like the outside, you'll love the inside even more. At least that's, you know, my opinion. Don't listen to David's uh, opinion. Unpopular opinion. (laughs) I mean, just knowing that it's the number one most visited monument in all of Spain uh, tells you a little something about it. Park Well is number two, yeah, I believe. Two. Um, and that is, of course, uh, worth a visit. It definitely lives up to the hype. It gets super busy, though, late in the day. So you want to go early in the morning and maybe even try to avoid it on the weekends if you can and go during the week. Right. And then just to round up some of the other uh, very famous Gaudi um, monuments, or, or I guess they're really more like houses or, or that he designed, yeah, that he designed, um, which are right right in the center, kind of near the, or in the Champlain neighborhood is Casamila. And the other one is Casa Batlao, Batlao or Batyao. You're butchering it, but go for it. I don't know how to see it. Casa Batyao. No, no, no. Oh, there you go. So Casa Mila, um, they're both really cool. I, my, my favorite is Casa Mila, and luckily it actually happens to be a little bit uh, cheaper to get into. It's only a 22-year entrance. It's the one that's a little bit less famous. Yeah. The, definitely the Casa Batyao is the more famous one. Um, but you and, yeah, I agree with you. We both liked Casa Mila more, and so that's kind of the recommendation we would go with. You can see Casa Batyo, Batlo, I can't say it, um, outside. And that's really, you know, from the exterior and you get a beautiful view and good photo op. And then you can go up to Casa Mila where they have a wonderful rooftop and good views of the city. And it's actually only 22 euros to go into Casa Mila versus 39 at Casa Batyo. Yeah, I don't, I think, I think they're both really cool. I don't think Casa Mila, or Casa Batiao is twice as good as the other one. So, um, yeah, yeah. If you're only ever going to pay in to go into one, and if you want to save a bit of money, yeah. Casa Mila. Um, if you're going to see flamenco, I think that you just need to keep in mind that it's not authentic to Barcelona. Right. Flamenco's from the south of Spain and Andalusia. So, um, if you really want to see it, sure, you can yeah. see it all around Spain. If it's your only trip to Spain and you're desperate to see it, I mean, go. Just know that it'll be filled with tourists. Yeah, it's um, not it's, very it's not authentic. authentic uh, so just even set your expectations. Dancer, even if it's a good dancer, it's not like the authentic thing to do in Barcelona. 
Exactly. But if that's still in a place you're going to go in Spain and you really want to see it in yeah. Spain. Yeah. It's not like sure. you'll see a bad show. Knock yourself you, out. There are good dancers everywhere. Um, but that's, I guess that's our recommendation. And turning to CHS, we have a few more recommendations. Uh, we stayed at the, you said MIM, sometimes I call it the meme hotel, but, right. uh, they, it's a, overall a great hotel, um, but specifically their rooftop dinner blew us away. It was very good. The views are amazing alone. Yeah, yeah. Alone I mean, it's right next to the beach. It looks over CHS. They have a pool and restaurant up there. And it's actually that MIM or meme uh, hotel chain is owned by uh, one of the famous soccer players for the Barcelona team for Barca. Um, I think me. it's Messi. Sure. I forget his first name, but if you're a soccer fan, uh, you might know who that is. Um, the only thing, you know, the pool is kind of smaller and because people go there for dinner and drinks, it does feel a little awkward, uh, to be at the pool in your speedo while people are having like a nice dinner experience outside and you're just like, Oh, I'm staying here. So I'm half naked during your nice dinner. That's a little awkward, that's but the only, uh, I think go that's for a literally, drink. Literally the only critique of that hotel. Everything else is amazing. Uh, then we went to, uh, one day we went to bar. Tomeo. 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 I cannot pronounce any of these. Which is essentially like a traditional tapas bar um, in the center of CHS, but great prices, amazing. Yeah, T O M E U. It was really good uh, tapas. We enjoyed that. Uh, For dinner one night, we had uh, outdoor scene on a terrace right by the beach at a place called Beach House. Right. Which is Asian Mediterranean fusion. um, And it was really good. All outdoor terrace seating. I think we've eaten, yeah, we've eaten there before, actually. I had the catch of the day tacos, which were great. The service was hit or miss, as it usually is yeah. <laughs> around Spain. So set your expectations on that as well. So let's wrap it up with the Gay Beach recommendation. So if you're visiting Sitges, um from June to September, you'll, I mean, it's busy all, you know, during the week and weekends, especially if you're there like on shoulder season. So, you know, May, um, September, October. The, 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 mo- I would say the most, I don't know if it's the most popular, but the one that's the gay beach slash new beach is about a 15 minute walk from the old town. So if you want a gay beach experience, which is sort of the traditional, you can also be nude. Like that's the one to go to, which is called, uh, Playa del Balmines, I think. Yeah. Which is in our CHS guide if you want to go to our website. Yeah. The thing is, the 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 main gay beach that's not the nude beach is is Rodona. Right. And it's right. right in the center of town, literally in front of that hotel. And we told our guests that, hotel. and then they pointed out, like, no, there's no gays there. There's straight people there. And, you know, I think we're both surprised as well as they were. But, but it was also very... Empty. But that's what we realized. It, it like, was oh, a, it's May, yeah. and so, it was a Monday yeah. on May, so it just it wasn't very busy at all. Exactly. But, but you but know, it, literally, we turned the corner June, from June, July, August. It gets popping. to walk down to you know the main square where all the gay bars are, and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, this city is really gay. Well, as you said, we'll make sure to update our our CHS guide and our Barcelona guide with all these recommendations as well, so everyone can check them out. Definitely. What well, we hope you guys uh, enjoyed this week's episode a little bit different than normal, not traditional interview, but. Um, like with a, a guest speaker, but some recordings, uh, which I hope, I think we'll probably do a bit more of uh, going forward. Yeah, I think it's fun to do um, a destination-based episode, and I think we should definitely do more. This is a travel podcast. Um, I also want to thank our guests for going on the trip with us, our wonderful guides, the hotels that we stayed with. We had a fantastic time. So thank you to Jorge. Thank you to Gislaine. They were great guests. Thank you to Mark, um, our, all of our wonderful guides in, in both cities. And thank you to Daxa Hotel, especially for setting up that VIP area for us mm-hmm. and just hosting us. Um, it was it was really great. So we'll be back uh, next year. So if you did happen to like the show, please be sure to subscribe to it on Colin and give the episode a like with the heart icon once it's published. And as always, you can follow us on social media 
We're always at Two Bad Tours. And lastly, please feel free to leave a comment about what you liked and what you want to hear more of. And we'll be back next week or this week, next week, this Tuesday at our normal day. Um, we have collected some embarrassing travel stories from our family, friends, and followers. And uh, we're going to do an episode about embarrassing travel stories. So we're going to share theirs. We're going to share ours. And it should be a fun and funny episode. Uh, so we're excited to do another different t- kind of take on, on the podcast. So you can tune into that on Tuesday. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. So yep. until next time, thanks, everyone. And we'll speak next week. Thank you so much. Bye.